We're not creative enough. We're not positive enough. It's coming home. It's coming home. It's coming We'll go on getting back. So getting back. So getting back. And that may seem harsh. That may seem harsh. But look, could you imagine what it would have been like if they had a one-up? Jesus, come on. I'm Colin McCourt. Welcome to the Independent Republic of Soccer podcast. And yeah, England are gone. They're going to be playing Belgium in the third and fourth place playoff. And one man who I'm sure was not only watching the England game, but was also watching and had his eyes glued to the entire World Cup was ESPN's Mark Donaldson. Mark, how's it going? Good, Colin. How are you? I'm all good, man. Uh, so... Let's just start with England then, Mark. Uh, was there ever was there ever a tiny part of you that ever thought that, as they were saying, football was coming home? Um, I thought they would get to the final when they when they when they got through to the semi final. Um, I didn't think either Croatia or England would, would win the final against either France or Belgium. Um, we'll soon see if that's the case if, if Croatia can get the better of of France. Bottom line is England have overachieved. They've done really well, and they've got to a semi-final where most sensible England fans before the tournament would have probably said quarter-final at best. So, for me, it's a good tournament for England. Absolutely, and I mean, of course, England take on Belgium tomorrow in the third and fourth place playoff. Belgium going in slight favourites at thirteen to ten. England twenty-one to ten. The eleven to four. The draw. How how serious do you really think that each manager and each uh, set of players will be actually taking this game? I'll be honest, we don't know. Until we see the lineups. nobody knows. Um, does Lukaku think he can still be the golden boot? If he does, then does he want to play? Does Harry Kane want to play? Um, it'll all depend. Um, it'll depend on Gareth Southgate deciding to maybe give one or two players a run out. I don't think you'll see the nine changes um, that he made for the other game they played against Belgium on the 8th of June, um, when it was a kind of, well, we don't want to win it, do you? Kind of game. Um we don't know how much they want to win this game until we see the lineups. But still, I mean, third place at a World Cup, that's a decent achievement. Um, to say to your grandkids or whatever, in years to come, we finished third at a World Cup, that's decent. I'm still not a fan of a third place game, though, but it's, it's been at the World Cup for many years, so it's, it's tradition. And, uh, and you know, once you reach the semi final, you're going to be there for another week. So you may as well just get on with it. Yeah, and I, I mean, I'm sure it is hard after after everything, all the emotions they've been going through the last month to try and get themselves up to, to I mean, at best finish third. But I suppose we will see. The uh, do, do you do you think this is the start of something really great for England and Gareth Southgate, or or do you buy into the fact that it was a pretty easy route to the final? <laughs> 
Good question. Depends if your glass is half full or half empty. It depends if you're positive or negative. Um, with social media these days, the overriding emotion seems to be negativity. So you'll get the trolls and you'll get those that are just miserable. Um, again, it's a, it's a question. It's like the Belgium-England game. How much do they want to win this and finish third? We won't know until we see. I mean, England's problem isn't qualifying for major tournaments. England's problem since they've qualified has, has been when they've got there. Um, you've got to remember, in the last World Cup, they only played three games. Yep. Um, they've played six in, in, in this. Um, so it, it, it's, been, it's been an achievement. They'll have played seven by the time they go home. Um, what I would say is, you look in the, the, the future, Croatia, two to four years' time, they won't have the same squad to choose from for the World Cup in 2022. This is the, the kind of golden generation for them that are maybe just a little bit getting over the hill and will be by the time the next World Cup comes. I love Modric. I think he's magnificent. Rakitic as well. And again, just going back to the, the semi-final, um, it depends if your glass is half full or half empty. You can you can criticise uh, as far as what did he get right, what did he get wrong. Um, did he make uh, changes quick enough? Did he make the right changes? Um, it's, it's difficult because on one hand, they've done really well to get there. And on the other hand, the only time they were really tested was, was against Colombia. Sweden were really poor. England were really comfortable in that game. Mm-hmm. And they didn't find a way against Croatia. The bottom line is that Harry Kane, I think, eight, nine times out of ten would have scored that chance uh, when he's through. Even square it, I think it was Raheem Sterling, yeah. and, it, and it's 2-0. England aren't coming back. Uh, sorry, uh, Croatia aren't coming back from, from 2-0 down, in my opinion, but... You knew Croatia were going to get better in the second half, and you wondered if England would um, maintain the level. Um, I, I don't know if they did. And, and once Croatia got the goal, they were the better team um, for the second half. England regained kind of a bit of composure in extra time, um, had a couple of chances, but ultimately it wasn't to be. So if your glass is half full, it's been a really good World Cup. If your glass is half empty, it's, it's, it's what might have been. And going forward now, not about qualifying for the Euros in 2020 because even Scotland have got a chance of qualifying for that <laughs> in 2020. It's about what happens when, when England get there and maybe introducing the likes of, uh, of Phil Foden um, and, and other guys. Um, Ryan Sessegnon. Sancho. Yeah, there's, 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 Sessegnon I love. I, I've already got him on my fantasy team for the new season. I think he'll be a key part of Shopping early. Of Fulham. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I've, I've seen Sancho a few times for, for Dortmund. Love him. Um, I was I was speaking about this to, to Robbie Musto. I was upstairs with him this week, and I watched the game um, in Boston with with Robbie and his son um, during the week. And, and we were talking about the likes of Foden. Um, I think England's biggest problem going forward might not be the the talent that uh, that's being generated. It's the opportunity that that talent might get or may not get. Mm-hmm. Phil Foden's a really really good player. Um, but we've we've seen with with other players of of his ability coming through. Is he at the right club for his development? Is he going to need to go out on loan? Might he need to go elsewhere? But this is the issue. I mean, Man, Man City's youth um, policy have, have brought through someone like Foden. But if you're his agent, you're not going to get rich by him staying at Manchester City yep. if he's not getting a game. So what do you do? You stick him out on loan. If that's the case, where do you put him? Because that was part of the conversation we had. If you're putting Foden out on loan, 
um, Robbie Sun actually said to me, how about someone like Huddersfield or, or Brighton? I don't think that's the type of, of kind of team that he needs to go to. I think it's a team that's going to have the majority of possession mm-hmm. in games if he is going to leave Man City on loan to, to get game time experience. Because you want to see the best of him. It's like saying a, a, a striker, um, why would he go to a Huddersfield or, or somewhere like that? No disrespect to them, but if you're a big team like Manchester City and you've got a really talented player in your squad and you want them to get game time, you want them to send or you want to send them out um, to a team that's going to have probably a lot of the ball, probably create chances and not someone that's just going to be a lone striker that's only going to see the ball once in a blue moon. So Phil Foden's future um, and England's success, not kind of linked um, straight away, but if Phil Foden can, can progress like we think he has and he can become a member of the Man City squad and get a decent amount of game time, that can only benefit England. If he doesn't, then he's got to find a club, as have the others coming through at other clubs. Uh, they've got to find clubs where they're going to be playing. That's the only way England are going to benefit. And and that's um, we've seen Man City be shrewd in that way in the past with the likes of uh, Patrick Roberts being sent to Celtic and stuff. Exact same thing as what he didn't play, Connell. He didn't play him most of the time um, on his second loan spell. Yeah. I know he got injured. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he's a talent. He is a right talent, Patrick mm-hmm. Roberts. But you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute here. If he's not getting a game ahead of the likes of whether it was Stuart Armstrong, whether it was. Um, the, Callum McGregor or any of these players depending on where you want to play them that's not what a loan deal is all about I mean it's difficult though because if you send someone on loan with the specific instructions he's got to play and that player doesn't perform at the team he's gone on loan to that's a difficult one because if I'm the coach I'm not going to play a player who's for whatever reason hasn't fitted in mm-hmm. and we've we've seen that with with, with Celtic Charlie Musonda yep. the kid they signed um, on loan as well from from Chelsea, hardly played at all. It yeah. just it didn't work for him. So that's why it's important for these young England players who've got a chance and will be playing. I mean, Sessegnon's perfect example. That's what you want. You want a guy who's playing week in week out, an integral part of the team. But for those that aren't, that could be a big part of England's future, it's imperative that they find the right club on loan. Otherwise their career will stall and it will not be what it could have been. Absolutely. We're speaking to Mark Donaldson here on the Independent Republic of Soccer podcast. Moving on to the final, Mark, uh, France and Croatia. I mean, these two teams have played a lot of minutes, especially Croatia. This this World Cup for me has produced some of the most exciting end-to-end football that that we've seen. I've personally seen in the World Cup. Do you expect the final to follow suit or do you think just with the amount of the amount of literal minutes that Croatia have played, do you expect them to uh, approach it a bit more cautiously? I think Croatia will uh, approach it the way that they've approached the games so far. Why change it? Um, I know a few people were talking about England on they should have played him or should have played him. No, you, you, you don't change the successful lineup that's got you there. If things aren't working during a game, that's when you can tweak it. Um, but as far as Croatia are concerned, I mean, you've got Brozovic, Rakitic, Modric, Perisic, and, and, and Rebic. Mm-hmm. Um, Mandzukic actually doesn't play as a, a kind of striker with, with Juve, or hasn't been. He's, he's kind of coming in from the, the left-hand side in support of Iguain. But that's his natural um, position. And I remember commentating on a game way back in the day when he was at Dinamo Zagreb, and they played Hearts um, in the Maximir Stadium, and... I mean, you could see back then that the kid had talent. He was a natural striker. So he's in his preferred position. So you're not really going to change it unless you have to. 
with regards to injuries and suspension. For, for me, the best World Cup final you're going to get is if, is if Croatia score first. Because mm-hmm. I think Fra- France are streetwise. France are maybe the... England are lacking what France have got, what Croatia have got. The, the ability to, to game management uh, is, is, is excellent. You saw against Belgium. I mean, they weren't really under that much pressure after Mtiti scored. There were a few chances for Belgium, but they just looked cosy, France. They yeah. looked like they could see out a game. So if France score first, I, I mean, I, I predict a 2-0 win for France. I think they'll score first. Um, obviously, because it's going to be 2-0. Um, but I think Belgi- uh, sorry, I think Croatia then, towards the end, they're going to have to push forward to try and, and open up, and I think France will exploit the, the gaps. I mean, the pace of Mbappe against the likes of Vida and, and Lovren would, would scare me mm-hmm. if I'm Croatia. But what an achievement for, for them to get to where they've, they've got to. And think about this. Consider this for a minute. Qualifying. Croatia finished behind Iceland in their group. I mean, that, that's incredible to think. Yep. They're in a World Cup final, and they finished behind Iceland in their group. Now, they got past Greece, and it's opened up for them, and, and good on them. You need a bit of good fortune, but there's a really good piece by Gab Marcotti on ESPN FC where he's talking about Croatia and their energy levels as well. And he's talking about the players' bodies tricking themselves into thinking they've got more left when they don't actually have more left. And a perfect example was was when the Croatia coach was kind of looking around against England and, and obviously they ended up making all four subs. But when Dalic was kind of saying, right, you need to come off, the players didn't want to come off. No, They were no. like, we'll give everything. Mm-hmm. And even towards the end, I mean, Modric played, what did he play? I think he played like nearly 118, 190 minutes. Yeah. Just before he went off, he was chasing down the England defence. Yep. That's incredible. That mm-hmm. That's like a car running on fumes. I tell you what that's like. That's like an iPhone with a 1% battery, and you get about 10% battery worth out of 1%, yep. and no one knows why. That's what Modric was like. That's it, and, and I mean, he's covered every blade of grass of every game that he's played. And I think I think just due to, due to the amount of minutes that Croatia have played, and also France just looked like they haven't even got it a second gear, they're going in heavy favourites. I mean, they're odds on, uh, Croatia 4-1 to and the draw 23-10, to but... The sheer, as I said, the sheer amount of minutes that the Croatia have played, I'm sure that's playing on their minds. But as you said, Modric, he didn't even really want to come off. And the likes uh-huh. of Modric, Rakitic, do you think those guys playing at a high level, the likes of Real Madrid and Barcelona, these guys are look, they're used to winning silverware. They've got that winning yeah. mentality. Do you think that plays yeah. a part when it comes into the latter stages of games like that? Maybe, maybe. Uh, I mean, I, I do think, and I mentioned it five minutes ago or so, game management. And if England had Rakitic and Modric in their team instead of Ali and Lingard, mm-hmm. just in that game in the semi-final, England would be in the final. But they didn't have those players, and, and Croatia has those those types of players. Game management was, was crucial. And ball retention, when you've got it, how long can you keep it for? Don't give it away. Now, we spoke before the England-Croatia game, oh, Croatia had an extra time twice if they got the legs. It's exactly the same. We wrote them off against England. That's why England were favourites. But Croatia came through. Could it happen again? It could. I don't think it will. And I agree with you as far as France. I'm, I'm not sure they've... I still think they've got at least another couple of gears oh, to I go. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and you, look at the, you look at the back line, um, Lucas Hernandez and, and Pavar. Pavar's a great story. He was playing in the second division with Stuttgart in the Bundesliga and obviously they got promoted and hardly anybody knew who he was yeah. he was one of these kind of foreigner abroad and 
then you're like, oh, this is interesting. This guy, we haven't heard of him, or not many have. Um, Varane is just a magnificent defender. Yep. I'm not the biggest fan of him, TT, but I think they've got a top goalkeeper. They've got this, the spine of their team. And the other thing that, that what France has and what maybe England doesn't have right now, world-class players. You look at um, like the Varane, Pogba, Griezmann, Mbappe. There's four world-class players. For England, you've probably put Kane, and, and that's about it. Yeah. The, the, this is a, a, we're speaking about the Belgian kind of golden generation because they've got world-class players as well, and De Bruyne and, and Azard mm-hmm. and, and others. Um, but they just they, they didn't have it. They, they lacked that kind of big-game mentality. The one fear I would have about France, and it's the same in, in any sport, I think I've mentioned it before um, when we were discussing various other things. And if I haven't, I'll say it, um, I'll say it here. If, if the French had a German mentality, they'd be far more successful yep. up to now and, and, and what they've actually achieved. Um, I just think mentally at times, in the past, in, in other sports, I'm talking about, your, I, I mean, I'm a big tennis guy, I do commentary on that, your, your Gasquet, your Songa, your Gael Monfils, Flair. You don't need to go much further than, than France for a European team that contains unbelievable flair players. Mm-hmm. But mental strength has been an issue in the past. Would you trust them? Would you want them in the trenches with you? A lot of the times you wouldn't. I just think this is different. And, and, and I think guys like Matuidi and, and Pogba, I think they've got that steel that they've been lacking. And the spine of their team, Loris, Varane, Pogba, Griezmann, that, that's pretty good. This is something they've not had for a while, yep. maybe since 98. So that, that's why I'd be, I'm, I'm going to be very surprised. If, if France don't win the World Cup, then is it a mental issue? Because um, I don't know what it is. Because talent-wise, they're, they're a better team than Croatia. So, and the fitter, yep, they'll, they'll, they've got more legs. If they don't beat Croatia on, on Sunday then you have to wonder, is it, is, it a, is it a mentality thing from a, from a nation? Again, we'll soon find out, but I expect France to win. And that's it. And that German mentality, as you were saying, one team I think does uh, possess that as well is that Croatian team. They seem to all like, they yes. like to fight with each other, like to fight for each other. They never, ever think they're beat. Like we've seen them come back from the dead in, in this tournament alone. But one player who hasn't been involved in that is uh, Niko Kalinic, uh, who was actually sent home from the team. Uh, after the first game, I believe? It depends. Oh, he was, yeah. It, it, it depends on um, on kind of which story um, you believe um, because there's a suggestion that he was hurt. Um, but I think the main suggestion was that, that he was sent home because he refused to come off yeah, the bench in the game against Nigeria. Um, so what, what does he want for the final? Does he want... Croatia to win because he's Croatian yeah. or is he in the half and we go, you know what I'm, he's not going to say anything publicly I would imagine because he's not that stupid I hope um, but again there were there were murmurings that, that oh he might have been hurt and that's why he's been sent home no there's players that have been hurt and they've, they've kind of stayed it's with safe. the squad for team bonding and whatever mm-hmm. um, if it is true that he refused to come off the bench what's going through his mind right now because there's a decent chance he would have been involved in some way um, but I mean, back going back to, to Italy at, uh, at AC Milan, and um, who, who knows if he'd stayed, maybe they might not have been in the final because maybe they would have changed things mm-hmm. and, and had a two up front with Kalinic and, and Mandzukic. We don't know. 
That, that's what it is. And uh, just penny for his thoughts right now. Absolutely. And if he's the biggest loser of the tournament, I think personally, no matter what happens on Sunday, the biggest winner of this tournament has to be VAR. Because... I mean, it was much maligned before the tournament started, by myself included. I just thought it it hadn't went through enough rigorous testing. But it's completely shown me up. It's shown everyone up. And it, it's it got things nearly perfect in this tournament. And I'm with you. I was, I was a skeptic before. Um, however, I, and there is a but here, VAR will always be 100% correct. It's those in charge of its use mm-hmm. that are the issue. Now... If you put, I don't know, if you put a, a nursery school um, full of kids and you give them all chocolate sauce, right, that's going to be a mess, right, because they don't really know what they're doing with it and it's, it's going to be a nightmare to, to clean up. So if you put inexperienced and um, other officials in charge of VAR going forward in various countries and they're not trained properly, then it could be a mess. Because I think what we've seen, there's been one or two issues. Um, I think over the piece it's been a big success. There's one or two issues why things haven't been um, kind of sent for review to the referee. Mm-hmm. Uh, the PK challenge in the group stage for Spain, I think it was, um, when, when he should have been sent off. Uh, but oh, it wasn't yeah. even referred. Yeah. But it, VAR's not the issue. And this is what we've, we've now come to see. Um, the issue is those in charge of it. Yes, mistakes have been made, but I think on the whole, it has been a success at this World Cup. My concern going forward is it should only be implemented into leagues that are ready for it to be implemented and they have the staffing levels and the quality and ability of referees that know what they're doing with it because you've still seen an MLS it's, it can still be catastrophic mm-hmm. because there are people that don't really quite understand in some instances, and that's the way it looks, how it should work. It should be foolproof. If you've got the right person or the right people involved, then it will be a success. But my my issue here would be its implementation in various leagues before it's ready. And, and I actually agree with the Premier League. They weren't 100% convinced that it, they were ready to introduce it, why introduce it until everyone is on the same page? Because it's a new thing, and on the whole, for me, it's been a it's been a great addition to the World Cup. Apart from a couple of things, which hey, with anything you introduce is, is going to be it's problematic. Yeah, problems, but yeah. I think there's there's been goals that have been chalked off, that have been uh, turned around and, and scored when they should have been. Um, I like the whole and and it's, again. The whole linesman or assistant referee is told just to wait if they're in, in a little bit of doubt because once the flag goes up, then a player can stop, and I know it's play to the whistle. I like the way that that's been introduced as well. But you've got to be able to have the right people um, fully trained up because it is going to be part of our game. Um, and in years to come, we're going to be like, God, I can't remember football the way it was without, without VAR. It, yeah. But it's got to come in. And it's got to be done properly because we've seen it can work with the right people in charge of VAR. There's been a couple of incidents where maybe they weren't the right people in charge. But on the whole, good for the World Cup, good for VAR, um, and it will be good for for various leagues as long as the right people. Because VAR doesn't make errors. Humans make the errors. Yeah, yeah. So the humans interpreting may absolutely agree. But just one last thing uh, on VAR. 
it has been such a resounding success, and I, I believe the the Premier League has already said that they will not be using it next year. Do you yep. think after after what's transpired in the World Cup? Because I mean, let's look, let's let's just look at it. If it wasn't for VAR, then that South Korea goal that knocked Germany, it wouldn't have happened. Other other instances like that. Oh, you're right. It did get some things wrong with the PK challenge and stuff. Do you think that after the events of the World Cup, after the events that have transpired, it will likes of uh, Richard Scudamore who, or whoever is running the Premier League will actually be taking a, a look at that again, putting it through review, review again uh, for the potential for next year or maybe the year after? Look, VAR will end up being in the Premier League, whether it's the season after next or the season after the season after next. But again, it will it, be getting sure everything's in place. I, I did a Mainz game, I think it was against Freiburg in the Bundesliga. And that was the game where both teams were pretty much back in the changing room. The referee oh, yes. had been told that there was uh, the possibility of a handball and they thought he should have another look at it. Mm-hmm. And obviously by the time he was having another look at it, the players had already gone off. There was only a handful of them that were still on the still pitch. On the pitch yeah. A couple of them were from the team that felt they should have had a penalty and they were protesting. Um, and that, that's hard to... T- it was, ultimately it was the right call. Um, I don't know how you change um, the way that that panned out. Um, it was it was a talking point because the goalkeeper had his gloves off and everything. He was back. He could have been in the toilet for all we know, and there could have been a, a, a delay. Um, but they, they they reached the right decision. Um, could it have been done a bit quicker? Maybe, but the players were, were still off. So there's going to be issues like that. But ultimately, if you reach the right decision and you do it in a timely manner, then, then that's fine. But you know what the Germans are like with their efficiency? They would not have introduced that to the Bundesliga had everything, um, not on every one, been on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, was it introduced a little bit early into MLS? Maybe, because maybe they didn't quite have those um, officials that were 100% up and fully ready for its implementation. Um, but it will happen in the Premier League. But... They, they, they've seen or you, they've shown over the previous um, years since they were kind of uh, in 1992 since they started they've been first with a number of things but they've also shown that they'll not be rushed into certain things if they're not sure that they're 100% ready yet mm-hmm. and in this case I'm fully behind them let others make the mistakes let's see and learn from those mistakes before we fully integrate it into the Premier League because it's costly um, Already, most of the things are already in place for it, and money shouldn't be too much of an issue for the Premier oh, League. Yeah, but they don't want—they don't want to be a laughing stock. And at times, in, in, in MLS and various other leagues, certainly in the A League in, uh, in in Australia, there have been times you're just like, v- "This isn't an issue for VAR. This is the human error side of things that's yeah. really coming to the fore." Yeah, well, I mean, it'll be fascinating to see what way it all transpires. Look, thank you, Mark, for joining us here. Uh, I'm sure we'll speak again after the World Cup concludes and when the Premier League's going to start, but thank you for your time. Thanks, Colin.